Blog Talk Radio. Keep that for the non-detail. It's all about, you got to get some new rap. 
But one of the things I, I have to point out, Brother Africa, when we talk about fascism, you know, expanding in America, you know, often people don't take this very, very seriously. But clearly, fascism is a, a very much a, a, a growing facet in American society. And one of the things that's interesting in terms of fascism, there are two elements of fascism that is that's very consistent throughout history. That is the elevation of nationalism, or in the case of the United States, uh, white supremacy, and secondly, the dehumanization of human of targeted groups. Now, in order for this, you know, for these for this kind of um, fascism to be effective, it relies a great deal on the media, and the media influences affect both the conscious and the unconscious. And one of the things in terms of dissemination of, of, of propaganda, it specifically impacts the unconscious. So, in other words, you know, our ability to, 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 to reason uh, is somewhat compromised because it affects us on a much deeper level. And so it comes to a situation we don't even know that we're being impacted, you know, by propaganda because it's that deep. And interestingly, you know, I, I read a, a news article that was very, very interesting because it exposed the elements of fascism and I think will give some kind of clarity in terms of, you know, how how uh, um, <clears throat> how precipitous, you know, this, this question of fascism uh, reigns in America. So in any event, Brother Africa, I want you uh, to check this out. Now, in the case of 20-year-old David Watley of Georgia, epitomizes the growing strain of fascism in the U.S. This case highlights the major proponent of fascism that gives it life namely the dehumanization aspect of fascism. According to Jason Stanley, quote, fascist politics come from the particular way in which it dehumanizes segments of the population. By excluding this group, it limits the capacity for empathy among other citizens, leading to the justification of inhuman treatment from oppression of freedom, mass imprisonment, and deadly forms of oppression, end quote. What this case showcases these elements in addition demonstrates the implicit danger imposed upon the most vulnerable among the press nationality. In this, in the case of Watley, it was alleged by the media. He drove by the media. He drove the po- two police precincts to retrieve his gun. He parked two buildings away from the precinct with his eight-month-old daughter in the car. Upon requesting his alleged firearm, a background check was ran to assess the legitimacy of his identity and any foreign, any felony convictions barring him from receiving the gun. Background checks came back stating a warrant for his probation uh, violation. Now, the trouble aspect or element of this case undergirding the parameters of fascism involves the lack of empathy afforded Watley in the dehumanization surrounding the case. In order to better illustrate this point, Watley alleges he informed police about his eight-month-old daughter in the car and refused the police to walk less than 100 feet to remove his daughter from the car on a very hot day. Even though the police alleged she did not tell them about the child inside the car, this statement seems blatantly deceptive for two reasons. One, upon discovering the probation violation, all relevant information detailing his history would have been disclosed, and in all vehicles he's affiliated with would have been would have been exposed on computer. The fact that his mother was able to gain access to that same vehicle after being informed several hours after a friend of her son informed her that the baby was in the car raises serious concerns. Secondly, police surveillance, which all police agencies have now, should have alerted authorities to individual involved in route from the vehicle headed to the precinct. Once a probation violation was established, search of the vehicle would have been permissible, if not illegal, but the police failed to implement investigative police work. If they had, the child would be alive today. In addition, the transfer of Watley from the precinct to the county jail 
and no documentation detailing the time of the call afforded Watley raises serious questions of police veracity. The more problematic aspect of this case, other than the death of the eight-month-old baby, was the assertion by the mother her son told her the police promised to retrieve the baby. The mother's statement seems valid for two reasons. First, the son's relationship with, with the daughter has been very, very strong. The mother stated he would often travel with his daughter. Desire to have a child in close proximity does not seem to be a parent who would jeopardize the child's safety by leaving the child unattended for long periods. The fact that he parked two buildings away while ill-advised does not support the contention he would harm his daughter by not telling police his daughter was in the car. Secondly, the child's grandmother appears to have been involved in the child's life. Just as importantly, the narrative put forth by media appears to be in lockstep with a narrative to portray Wiley as a criminal and keeping with propaganda. It is alleged Wiley sought his gun, not his daughter, without, <coughs> without concern of, of, of repercussions. Now, logic dictates having an outstanding probationary violation would have precluded interactions with police, let alone driving one's daughter to the precinct. Assuming the weapon, he, weapon was used uh, previously, <coughs> this would cost even less of an incentive to visit a precinct to recover the weapon, as evidenced by his re-arrest re re two days later. Media narrative neatly paint him as a, a criminal, albeit an, inter, an, an intelligent criminal, who threatens society, precisely the kind of tentative racist propaganda that resonates with the right-wing majority. Perhaps the most notorious aspect of the media narrative is the downplay the death of an eight-month-old child, conflating her death to law and order. By focusing on the child's alleged transgressions, on, on the father's alleged transgressions, everyone afflicted with him gets tarred. The focus of the, of the narrative does not concern itself with the baby or the baby's name or the baby's life but those potentially a threat to law and order. In this context, the media is effective in creating a narrative which, <coughs> which suggests the threat was neutralized. The life of the child becomes insignificant because the us versus them paradigm is pivotal in the application of formatting effective propaganda. The eight-month-old child, through no fault of her own, is characterized as them, and because she's a them, her life, her humanity counts for nothing in this narrative. Because right-wing politicians, along with billionaire class, billionaire class, have been working effectively with media platforms and right-wing news organizations, they have been effective in formatting white nationalist identity that sees non-whites and others as, as, as a threat. The harsh reality is that others are inhabiting a place where age, gender, class does not matter, only their pension for crime. What matters is neutralizing the threat posed by others, and the defenseless eight-month-old child is no exception. Perhaps a child was seen by the police as a bad seed because of her biology. It is not outside the realm of probability that police predilection to inflict harm on black bodies, even when the, the, the body is an eight-year-old child, may have played a part in creating the conditions on the child's demise. Media nerves simply provided the cover for the fastest state. So I, so I just thought that read that piece by the Africa, and I thought that it may provide some clarity in terms of you know, just how insidious, you know, a lot of these this, this propaganda is in terms of how it manifests itself out. So the mere fact that they, they neglected to mention the child's name or the or the or the or harm inflicted on the family as a result of the child's death speaks values in terms of the uh the, the, the value of the baby's life. So clearly we, 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 we gotta understand that this is done for a purpose. This is this is editing 
and it's done for a purpose, and specifically to create this perception that the value of black lives, but even when it comes to children, is not important. So it's important we understand the role of propaganda, and I close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we go to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, welcome to Africa on the Moon. Thanks for having me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you, uh, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Our objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. And finally, Brother Anthony, we're going to bring in Brother Moses. Welcome, Brother Moses, to Africa on the Move. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa. And greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that my faith tongue is his messenger for government. We don't reverse we correct verdicts. Correct. And so I'm pro-choice, and I vote. Women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. Fathers, help your children. And so the struggle is, is for scientific socialism. The struggle is for adherence to a, a scientific outlook that's dialectical and historical materialist in, in its character. And um, some things we can agree on, some things we can't agree on, but um, the, we, we should have enough unity to unite with the many to defeat the few. So thank you again, Brother Africa, for allowing me to be on the show. Thank you, Brother Moses. Moses, Father and Brother Moses, we will now bring in Sister Eleanor. Eleanor, welcome to Africa on the Move. Good evening, fellow panelists, and good evening, Brother Africa and listening audience. My name is Eleanor Johnson, and I'm delighted to be with you this evening. Thank you for having me on the show. I um, stand in solidarity this uh, Sunday, Memorial Weekend in the United States of America with the people of Afghanistan. Children, uh, a million children are facing hunger and uncertainty. Uh, I stand in unity with the Palestinian people, with the Cuban Revolution, with Nicaragua, with Venezuela, Let's lift the embargo right now. Let's set Cuba free uh, so that it can do what we need so much, Brother Africa. Today I was thinking about health concerns and how Cuba, as for some years, had therapy for the lungs and people who suffer from lung cancer that is inaccessible to people in this United States as well as treatments for diabetes. On last week's uh, Africa on the Move last Sunday, we talked about dialysis and how Africans are 12% of the U.S. population 
could make up such a large quantity of the dialysis patients, high blood pressure and diabetes, you know, um, uh, tend to uh, sometimes lead to renal failure. And with access, uh, these medicines and treatments that Cuba would provide to us if the embargo were lifted, lifted would save so many lives, so many African lives and so many American lives because there is a diabetic uh, epidemic, it appears, in this country. I also stand in solidarity with uh, the struggles of the people of Yemen and stand opposed to Saudi Arabia's purchasing weapons, uh, the U.S. selling weapons to the Saudis and uh, just annihilating Yemen. I stand in solidarity with the people of Somalia. Also, I urge and demand that uh, Pfizer uh, uh, and uh, Moderna release their proprietary information to allow the nations of the world, in particular South Africa, Senegal, Ghana, Nigeria, Morocco, Kenya, and uh, Egypt to manufacture their own version of their vaccine to eliminate these uh, deaths. They will handle the concern with vaccine hesitation and uh, on their own. Allow them to manufacture these uh, this, these vaccines and, and and medicines at home in their own labs with their own people. With that, I also want to remind the audience uh, today uh, it's a wonderful celebration that's going on uh, in I think, in Baltimore, West Baltimore, celebrating African Liberation Day, and uh, I stand in solidarity with oh, the organizers and and their incredible struggle to unite Africa as a continent and or and the diaspora around the world and raise the consciousness of all people. Uh, we must begin to love Mother Earth, and our goal in every nation, in every community, should be to use, find reusable sources of energy, to limit our use of plastic waste, Right now, Brother Africa, you have to be careful whether or not you're using sea salt or whether or not you're using mine salt because there's so much plastic in the ocean. There's a potential you may have plastic in the salt elements, small elements, but nonetheless there should be no salt that contains plastic. There's so much going on in the world. And uh, the dismantling of NATO is something that should have happened in 1991. The Soviet Union was dissolved, and so should NATO. And this aggression that uh, EU and the United States are heading is just fueling the animosity uh, between the Ukraine and Russia. And we have since 2014 at least when we undermine their legitimate democratic election 
have been causing harm, but in providing anti-tank uh, weaponry and anti-aircraft weaponry, the first week of that war or that disagreement caused a massive war. And I remind our listening audience that on this, Russia and the United States have the strongest military weaponry on the planet under their control. And if Russia had chosen to, they could have annihilated the Ukraine the first week. But their goal wasn't to do that. It was to regain the Donbass region and other regions and to make sure of their access to the Black Sea. And I can be sure that as little as I know about European history, Odessa, I always thought, was a European, uh, was a Russian city that you read about and hear about, but I understand it's actually in the Ukraine. So uh, this aligning the borders of Russia with NATO weaponry and troops seems extremely uh, irresponsible. And I would urge the public to reconsider this. And and when it comes to disinformation, as Brother Haikis said, it's not only the Russian people that are being misinformed. Look at what happened during the first week of the invasion of, of the of the uh, disagreement. I won't say invasion. I want to retract that of the dispute or the disagreement between Russia and the Ukraine, you saw over 3,000 articles published concerning the Ukraine. Only the Washington Post and the New York Times reported uh, the issue concerning Yemen or the U.S. drone attacks. Uh, uh, attacks on the 22nd of February in Somalia. So clearly, disinformation in the United States and propaganda is having no problem. And uh, we, we, I stand in solidarity with the families, and I, my, my, my sentiment goes out to the families of the 19 children, including the 20th victim, the 18-year-old child who was the gunman in Texas, and to the families in Buffalo who lost 10, and the 18- or 20-year-old child who was the gunman who had been sitting at his computer being fed misinformation by Spencer, the same guy that caused the uh, uh, situation five years ago in Charlottesville. And people must learn to have dialogue and to listen. Today, in, uh, across the nation, people are standing in solidarity with the Cuban people in Miami, uh, in, in California, in New York, in Washington, D.C., throughout the nation in asking that and demanding that the embargo be lifted. It has caused so much harm for both Cuba and the people of the U.S. So 
and the world and let Cuba have syringes and access to materials and goods and share their great advancements in agriculture, medicine, and science with the world. Thank you, Brother Africa, for having me today. Thank you, Eleanor. At this point in time, we're going to take a pause for the calls. When we come back, we'll start our segment, What's Going On Your World and the Community. This is Africa on the Move.
transition right now to what's going on in your world and the community. Brother Haki, show us on your love by speaking truth to power. What's going on in your world and the community, Brother Haki? 
Yeah, uh, Brother Africa, you know, there's a tremendous amount of killing taking place, you know, um, you know, in the society. But let's make a uh, – let's um, differentiate between the types of violence that's being committed in American society. On the one hand, you have political violence, which is motivated by politics. And on the other hand, you have psychological violence, which is dictated by, you know, simply, essentially – um, you know, uh, people's lack of scope, coping, scoping, uh, coping skills in terms of the kind of stress they're subjected to and their ability you to, to not be able to handle that kind of stress. And, of course, the level of stress in society is increasing leaps and bounds. And so we can anticipate, you know, these kind of things happening from time to time. But the political violence is something that I think is something that should be of a, of a probably a, on, on, on a scale probably more concern in terms of um, – uh, the potentialities, you know, that uh, has potential of unleashing the most harm, you know, on, on the populace. And I think that when we talk about political violence, we can't talk about political violence without understanding the nature of socialization in terms of, you know, values that the, that the country brings, <coughs> uh, that brings uh, to the people. So growing up in the context of capital society in which, uh, you know, uh, you know, the most horrendous things uh, are preferable, in particular in terms of your kind of uh, the kind of uh, kind of individualism uh, that is so prevalent in Western society. It's not surprising that, you know, in fact, if you, if you under the perception that uh, somehow there's a shortage of resources, in the, in, in, which means that uh, you're going to be cut out of the process in terms of receiving those resources to revert to violence, is very, is, is, from a psychological point of view, is somewhat understandable. But having said that, Brother Africa, anyway, just want you to check this article out. I, um, I read this article, and I thought it was very really interesting, and so it got me thinking. But in any event, check this out. Now, Mutaza Kusan article, uh, the racist, racist replacement conspiracy is undergirded by real resource scarcity. Now, he expresses legitimate concerns about the underlying motivations that encourage premeditated attacks on people of color and a willingness to inflict carnage even among the most vulnerable of the targeted population, in particular children. While racism plays a decisive role in potential assailants carrying out planned massacre, the bigger corporate is the uncertainty around economic prospects where the possibility of economic opportunity will be greater for young people than their parents. However, in the case of capitalism, the prospects for economic advancement for young people compared to their parents fall woefully short of opportunity afforded their parents. In order to appreciate this paradox, a brief perfunctory exploration into the evolution of capitalism is helpful. Starting out with the industrial base of capitalism, which was very, very necessary, even though the capitalists were not necessarily ecstatic about the necessity, they understood the necessity of transproducing things for sale as a route to possible profitability. In this context, most labor, other than slave labor, was viewed as a necessity, and in this regard, labor was recognized as an essential commodity. During the 1970s, the centrality of labor was of less importance. During this period, the elimination of the gold standard made possible the availability of money to institutions without regard to inflation. Liberalization of banks meant banks were free to make investments even such, if such investments were risky. Market psychology dictated the attainment of profits was inevitable because the old structure to constrain capitalism dominism was no longer in place, while a new philosophy prevailed, espousing excess. 
Changes that this philosophy embraced were not only impactful of the nation, but would extend throughout the world. Imperialism would be reinforced as a hedge against risky investments that saw debt of poor countries skyrocket from $27 billion to $329 billion in just one decade. Ironically, with the increase of economic exploitation of poor nations and increasing power of financial institutions came corresponding levels of inflation and unemployment. Capitalism understood achieving excess profits were doable provided labor is, labor is sacrificed. Now, by 2008, as outlined by the subprime debacle, the limitation of capitalism was again apparent. Even though limitations of capitalism have been visible since the 1930s, severe limitation of capitalism compared a systematic response in 2008 ushering in what is essentially the financialization of the economy or monopoly finance capitalism. Under monopoly finance capitalism, the Federal Reserve holds the keys to investments and wealth creation. Under this arrangement, labor represents a very minute concern of capitalism because profits can be attained with minimum or no labor at all. Attainment of wealth can be attained by investments or, secu or securities acquisitions. In this context, the 1% of the population that owns 50% of the country's wealth sees labor as superfluous or unimportant. In highlighting this structural reality, claims by potential mass murders of people of color <coughs> that economic scarcity dictates war over the availability of switching resources contain some legitimacy. The legitimacy I'm referring to exists only in the realm of subjectivity. This subjectivity gets reinforced by a capitalist system that elevates values like greed, avarice, selfishness, and cruelty as preferable, magnifying notions of ownership which extends beyond materialism to define whose existence is warranted. Obviously, us versus them nexus is at play, and because capitalism conditions people, people particularly white people, the right to own and control the planet's resources, any perceived reduction of access, of access to resources will likely trigger self-interest concerns. For an economic system that advocates destruction or competition, it is not difficult to extrapolate destruction of, of others outside of the group vying for decreasing resources might in, invoke mass killings of despised groups. Now, however, what the mass murders don't understand is the scarcity that is of concern is the blueprint of capitalism. Maximization of profits is achieved by scarcity. For instance, slow production creates scarcity, which increases process, uh, prices or profits. Or another example, decreased employment increases desperation among workers willing to work for less, which displays stagnant wages over the last 40 years in the U.S. At no point are people of color implicated in creating scarcity. Logic dictates the people of color do not create scarcity. Assessing people of color will not end scarcity. Perhaps it is more productive to, to assess who is the beneficiaries of scarcity. In hindsight, it is useful to point out during FDR, federal Governor Roosevelt's New Deal, Africans, presumably, Africans and presumably other people of color were excluded from, from this program. Improved living standards were promised to working class whites, but promises of a better life turned out to be a tactic to make people think economic change was inevitable. Most poor whites in Appalachia remained poor because the New Deal has sufficient enough numbers of people receiving financial support from the government to stimulate the economy. Notions of the government being altruistic was an illusion. Poor people given money to spend spent the money, increasing the amount of money in circulation, increasing the business activity, thus boosting the economy, ending the Great, the Great Depression. Unfortunately, this type of stimulus involving working people is no longer considered in the 21st century. Instead, stimulus is achieved by printing of money to increase asset purchases by the wealthy in hopes of borrowing would increase the bank's liquidity.
This type of stimulus has not been effective. In fact, the level of inflation and unemployment has vastly increased, but yet it persists using other, other titles to conceal handouts to the wealthy. In concluding my point, the government's animosity toward working people of all ethnicities is clear. Killing working people, working people will not change that. Until there is a socialist system in place that values life, all life, the manipulation and cultural wars perpetuated by the billionaire class will continue. This acknowledgement, these acknowledgments by no means absolves responsibility of the press of the responsibility to continue organizing. Either we make history or we get consumed by history. It's that simple. So organization is not a choice. It's something that people must engage in given the, the historical and economic reality that's taking shape in the Western world. And I close with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Aki. Next we go to Brother Anthony. What's going on in your world and the community? Community, Brother Anthony. Uh, several things. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, this month, uh, throughout the month of May, uh, the All African People's Revolutionary Party (GC) has been uh, organizing a series of activities commemorating African Liberation Day, Palestine Day, uh, 2022. And uh, let's see. And um, uh, we uh, we had a write-up in Popular Resistance uh, uh, Journal about one of our activities last week, thanks to Brother Abayami Ezekiwe. And uh, he, uh, he wrote a nice article about uh, African Liberation Day, Palestine Day, in Popular Resistance. Uh, let's see if people have time. I, rec- I recommend they check it out. Also, uh, let's see, uh, the U.S. Has, de- has decided not to invite Cuba to the Summit of Americas uh, for alleged uh, human rights violations on the part of Cuba. Um and uh, let's see, uh, the Palestinians are uh, intensifying their resistance against uh, Zionist uh, oppression in occupied Palestine. And uh, that's uh, pretty much it for the moment. Thank you, Brother Anthony, from Brother Anthony and Brother Moses. The man with the master plan. Talk to us. Yes, there's a lot going on in the world. Uh, the highlights of which uh, I think Eleanor did a good job of, of, of explaining a lot of the struggles, uh, the political fights that are going on. Uh, um, I think uh, we have to recognize that fascism is the open tyranny of finance capital, you know this this, this money being in, in in these airplanes, missiles, uh, tanks, guns, and rifles, etc. They all represent finance capital. Somebody's invested money in this warfare, and it, it's the open tyranny, undisguised. Like the shock and awe, for instance, when when the U.S. invaded Iraq, shock and awe. That was 
fascism and I mean open tyranny of finance capital. I, I consider when when this Russia invaded Ukraine, I consider that to be open tyranny of finance capital. Uh, uh, we we as a working class, we have nothing to lose but our chains, and we 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 don't support any of these warmongers, uh, and we have to unite as an international working class and and aim our weapons at our own bourgeoisie, as, as Lenin would say, instead of uh, uniting with our bourgeoisie to fight the other bourgeoisie. Uh, um, I... I'll leave it right there for now. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And Sister Eleanor, talk to us. What's going on in your world and the community? Um, thank you. Um, it's uh, Memorial Day weekend. So for Memorial Day weekend, I I I, I celebrate uh, uh, the Africans who fought in the the wars of uh, uh, the Americas, uh, the Korean War, uh, the Korean occupation, World War Two, World War One, uh, the American Revolution. Africans were there. Of course, we've been in the economic wars uh, and the political wars of. Of, of Iraq and Afghanistan and and our unspoken violence against the people of Somalia, Yemen, and other places. But as uh, was spoken, and what is so important right now, Brother Africa, and to the audience, is combating fascism, combating fascism right now. Um, on Monday, there was a demonstration, apparently. I found out from some revolutionaries today there was a demonstration on Monday at the Justice Department um, supporting uh, uh, Squeaky Links and demanding uh, his release. Uh, this slow death of incarceration is a, a true outrage. And what's also happening is... Women, women artists right now, on the 25th was the birthday of the founder of uh, V, who uh, whole goal was to recognize and educate women and empower women and girls through, through, through first being able to have proper nutrition and from there education. And uh, they, their goal right now is through art, whether it's poetry, dance, playwriting, the, the visual arts, to combat fascism. Uh, there is a, an incredible problem on, 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 on planet Earth. We, we haven't seen this type of behavior in decades, but it is here right now. I did not know about the demonstration at the Justice Department last Monday, uh, or I would have uh, shared it with our listening audience. It's important, uh, as you all always state on this show, to organize, politicize, but it's also important 
to do outreach to make sure folks know what's going on, when it's happening, before it's happening, so we can participate. As long as we hold on to information as if and say to each other, oh, I was at the demonstration, there were the same old faces there, we're we're working against ourselves. So uh, for individuals, uh, we need an artist, uh, as an artist, and we need to uh, courageously raise our hands and our work. As I said, uh, right now, it's so important to to do this in the face of the coronavirus, the Corona-19 pandemic, fascism, oppression, occupation, violence, and war uh, in places like Brazil, the Ukraine, Palestine, Afghanistan, the Central Republic of the Congo. And look at the fascists we have in Hungary and India. We elected a fascist in this United States. Right now we're having our primaries throughout the country, and we are scrappling with the 39 states that passed voter suppression laws. And we've seen in the last week what Abbott has done, the sending of immigrants to the District of Columbia, busing them here. Uh, We've seen that the governor of Arizona has passed these outrageous laws oppressing women and their control over their health, their body, and their families. This is outrageous, as well as we've seen Alabama getting involved in this outrage. So capitalism and imperialism is a a problem, but fascism is a greater problem, as Brother Haki so well outlined in how it marginalized, so wonderfully spoken when we talked about labor. You know, we live in a surplus labor economy. So these capitalists are able to mass money by knowing that a certain number of us will always be unemployed. So they divide us by saying, look, those are worthless people. They don't want to work. They don't want to do anything. And also we marginalize people by not um, uh, empowering them to learn about economic economics and how to manage resources and monies and the importance of home ownership and these sort of things. So this week has been quite profound in that uh, I understand that I, I, I read that uh, we expect 100,000 people to be dead in the United States by the end of the year from the coronavirus and that one million children in Afghanistan face uh, severe hunger, as well as the people of Yemen and the impact it has. So right now, through brainwashing and and manipulation, we have developed youth that are becoming mass murderers in the United States. The United States is the of America is the only country having these mass shootings. And in 10 years, Congress has failed to take action. And the Supreme Court is about to hear a case concerning concealed weapons. And they want people in New York City to be able to carry concealed weapons. This 
is political and uh, social insanity. New York City is very unique. It's a place where there are 8 million people. It's not the largest city in North America. Mexico City is. But New York City is unique in that it's the only place where you are uh, traffic jams. You bump into each other on the street. You're bumping to each other on the say on the subway. What are we saying that you can carry a concealed weapon and I bump you and I may be dead because you have a, a license to carry a weapon and you're standing your ground and you felt like you were afraid of me? That's a civil war. The armed against the unarmed. More than ever, it is time to educate the masses. Today at the Civil War Memorial, um, there were uh, uh, supporters of the Cuban Revolution. And as they were speaking, and, and, and a young doctor who was educated in Cuba was talking about the deadline, July 1 application for people under 25 who have completed courses in biology, uh, anatomy and human physiology and chemistry and physics and their eligibility just with these courses, whether or not they have their baccalaureate degree or not, uh, someone began to speak and speak over everyone who was educated in Cuba, and he said he was a journalist and that he was forced to pay for his book to receive an education. And upon completing school, the only job availability that paid him what he called reasonable wages was to work as a waiter. Well, I thought to myself, welcome to America, because Africans would have degrees in civil engineering, chemical engineering, architecture. It didn't matter. Their place of employment was the post office. Being a member of the union gave them jobs. While we saw men with no high school diplomas to rise on TV, such as Archie Bunker, owning homes and moving forward. So uh, my only problem with this young man today was that he was at a rally in support of the revolution of the Cuban people and lifting the embargo. That was the real focus of this rally. And his concern was over-talking all of the speakers and and defaming Cuba. And he was uh, using profanity where there was a young child there. And it was just outrageous. The child's name was Esperanza, which means hope in English. And right now, we see the effectiveness of the coronavirus in controlling segments of the population, Native Americans, Blacks, the elderly, the disabled, the impact in terms of the number of deaths we saw in nursing homes, group homes, home people being cared for in their homes by strangers. We saw that in this country. There's one million dead, and we take a moment for the dead here and there. That's not what we need to do. We need to have real sound political change. We, are, we need to 
stop the militarization of the police. We need to change our values. In this country, we have 50 million illiterate Americans. We think that people living on the street is acceptable, and we move their tents and destroy their homes' will. And this is unacceptable. The issue of development in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., we see a building boom. Not one thing is being built environmentally sound. And we lead the world in information. So why shouldn't we be an example? Build green. Make sure that it's environmentally sound. Instead, we're lowering our building standard, and no one is profiting but the developers, the people with investment capital. Something is wrong with that picture. That's what's been on my mind this week. That is a major concern of mine. And and the issue of hunger in this world that we've been hearing about this week, those facts weren't accumulated as a result of the Ukraine-Russian conflict. This is the information that was gathered before we even realized that there would be a conflict. And the reality is I'm looking at what's happening in the United States with NATO. The reality is is that uh, Lockheed Martin and all of these folks just met with the president. They did something down in Alabama where they're getting ready to pump up production. It's the warmongers in this United States that are getting ready to cash cash in on NATO and the conflict in Eastern Europe right now. And we, the American people, need to know that and need to say no. That's what's going on. We need to say what, Sister Eleanor? What we need to say? No to NATO. I said that. No to Africa. Mm-hmm. No, 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 yes, no. No to we NATO. We got you. Thank we got you, you No to Africa. Thank you, Brother Africa, for the wonderful job and to the analysts, the fantastic job you all do. And again, uh, it's such a a wonderful day, an inspirational day, African Liberation Day, Palestine Day. That is wonderful, and I stand in unity with the Palestinian people as Israel continues to allow new settlers in Israel to occupy Palestinian land. This is, and the assassination of a reporter, that that murder was outrageous. And we have our children now controlling the population, the youth. Because when we're killing children, when we're killing grandmothers in grocery stores, we're making sure that a segment of the population is cut off. Those grandmothers raising their grandchildren are no longer there to guide them in the right direction. Those children no longer, these children are our leaders. These children are our future. They're deprived. We were deprived of their skill, their genius, because they are ripped from us by other children who are being misinformed on their computers. 
this disinformation and it's made attractive to children go on these sites and begin to absorb this. I had an eight-year-old child call me up. Might have been, she might be 10, to tell me not to go on the playground, not to go to the schools because I may be killed because some email she received. This kind of this kind of thing is outrageous, and this is not free speech. You can't go in the theater and scream fire and have people trampling and killing themselves. That's not artistic expression, nor is that an example of free speech. So we need to rethink these things, and this whole thing of privatization that Ronald Reagan pushed, that now... Uh, the Facebook and Twitter people are operating under needs to be reexamined. And we need to look at the nation's capital. Look, think about it. 20 years ago, Lockheed Martin had the contract with the city to control speeding tickets and writing tickets. It was outrageous. Who would imagine that Lockheed Martin could ever have such a contract? So we need to pay attention to what's going on in our communities and take charge. And just as Haiti, there was a wonderful article in the New York Times written in Creole and English this week about the Haitian Revolution in 1804 and reparations. Sister Eleanor, can we pause for the calls? Remember now, we want to share, we want to share, we want to share. We have limited time. Before I come out of the culture break, I can go back to Anthony. I think he may have something to say, Brother Anthony. The mic is yours. Yes, thanks. Um, as uh, you know, as I state, uh, you know, stated, uh, you know, earlier, I think uh, you know, Pan Africanism is the key to solving these problems. And uh, regardless of what solution we come up with, we have to be organized. And uh, our our biggest weakness is our lack of permanent organization. And uh, we have to be permanently organized in order to be able to stop any of these forms of oppression from taking place. Okay, before we go on that break, we can come back to Brother Haki. I think he has something he'd like to say. Brother Haki, we're coming back to you. The mic is yours. No, no, I don't have anything to say, Brother Africa. I'm just listening. All right, good enough. So this is Africa on the Move. We're going to take a rupture break. We're in the seat. We're going to take the heat. As you define it, we're going to stand behind it. We said no to NATO, no to Africa. And we're also going to say no to not to be a Buffalo soldier. We'll be right back. Africa, brought 
thing that's called the state. What is the state? The state is an organized bureaucracy. It is the police department. It is the army, the navy. It is the prison system, the courts, and what have you. This is the state. It is a repressive organization. But the state and people, well, you know, you've got to have the police, because if there were no police, look at what you'd be doing to yourselves. You'd be killing each other if there were no police. But the reality is, the police become necessary in human society. You know how we think Organize the hood under our ching banners Red, black, and green instead of gang bandanas FBI spying on us through the radio antennas And I'm hitting cameras in the street like watching society With no respect for the people's right to privacy I take a slug for the cause like Huey P While all you fake niggas try to copy Master P I wanna be free to live Able to have what I need to live Bring the power back to the street where the people live We sick of working for crumbs and filling up the prisons Dying over money and relying on religion for help We do for self like ants in a colony Organize the welcome to a socialist economy A way of life based off the common needs And all my comrades is ready, we just spreading the seed No more political monsters, no more secret space launches Government departments started it in the projects Material objects, thousands up in the closets Could have been invested in the future for my comrades Battle contacts, primitive weapons out in combat Many never come back, pretty niggas be running with gas Rather get shot in they back than fire back We're tired of that, corporations hiring blacks Denying the facts, exploiting us all over the map That's why I write the shit I write in my rap It's documented, I meant it Every day of the week, I live in it, breathing it It's more than just fucking believing it I'm holding in ones, rolling up my sleeves and shit It's C-Lo who pushed us now, many headed for one conclusion Niggas ain't ready for revolution black male, live a third of his life in a jail cell Cause the world is controlled by the white male And the people don't never get justice and the women don't never get respected And the problems don't never get solved And the jobs don't never pay enough So the rent always be late Can you relate? We living in a police state
man, black man, go on and get a catch scan. I had chain wrap too straight, too tight. We get a backhand, there ain't no Batman in this black land. I wish a rich nigga would come and save the day and pave the way. Ain't no amazing grace. I blaze the haze to remain the faith. Twenty years with my medicine, but they wanna throw me away for that. Then turn around and legalize it. I wish being black was truly accepted. Four hundred year elephant in the room. This ain't a new deal. They've been treating us like animals. We in a zoo still. So let me tell you how I feel. Guilty conscience trumps common sense every day, y'all. Ignore the issues, look at the victim like it's they fault. As if a wagon ain't harassing, waiting for jaywalkers in front of the building, minding your business. News trying to pay your bills as if that wasn't to mention. Conjunction, junction, tell me what's your intention. Don't call him king, then treat him like some common folk. You a fighter like Ronda Rose. Rousey move around the rope. Drowsy with a cloud of smoke. Howdy do for Maui, bro. Traveling around the globe, you didn't know, but now you know. Early morning risings, my end of alarm kicking. Birdman hand rubs, feeling my palms itching. I need a spiritual thought with top that's top notch. We watch black power docs and study our chakras. Ooh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. We gon' cop a ticket and fly on out of here, fly on out. Ooh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. Oh dear black man, tell me what happened You can't be low when your glow's everlasting Then when your ass been on ass been like a has been Raising the trap when the guards talk math and moves with a max 10 Not that nigga back then, but look now nigga I'm established, cut camera action I cut lines with my sad card, my bitch is packing Then I'm cutting in line with a bad boy, they caught him flagging Then huddle around him with a stat chart look You stay awake up feeling better than I ever been. Check out my melanin, it's now the makeup for the mannequin That wants to be the same as the slave on the sedative You kill culture, I give knowledge, I spit stylish Crane kicks and Balenciagas and speaking science And bodegas that grow flavors was taught language Was taught to talk with the razor from having Spanish neighbors I fought the haters, caught cases and lost paper Educated killers walking no ladies cross the street Turn back around, walk across and sell hard to a fee No turning back now, rent due and your kids gotta eat yeah. Black man rooted deep with the blood of a king yeah. Black man roses arose from the cold concrete I eat, walk, talk, gritty Snitches get buck fifty Slice buck fifty, both get cut quickly until they free Goldie. Nobody can fuck Talk with about Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. So we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out of here, fly on out. Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. Black became beautiful, then made America great again. See the page of history or see the grave and hate again. I'm from New York, the last state to free the slaves, and now we getting to the point where they rebooting Martin Payne in them. Black man, switch it up, just to be versatile. Why you always mean mugging? Man, it never hurts to smile. Make a record, break a record, get the record straight. I'm just trying to get it going, I'm trying to accelerate. Life alert. Welcome to my world, live and living color, stay low, word to J-Lo, out here with my fly girl, black man, 
black man They give you whack answers They robbing you with Batman They give you Black Panther When all our people dying They think that we need a movie But the box office don't break off The descendants of Huey Think about it I'm cooler than a Coca-Cola polar bear Hold up, roll up something potent Right before we go in there Maroon Customs support that shit that touches the streets Puffing a leaf on a corner that gave me nothing but grief Don't come around my way if your whole message is how much you got If you ain't got no fucking shot, then don't touch the fucking rock Lucy's still 50 cent, cool what kind of blunts you got You can lock a few niggas for hustling, but nothing stops The judge just makes a hero And a young black boy lose their fucking pops And go on a robbing spree like fuck the ops Phone out of battery, black mirror, word the Windex King of the table of contents, human index I handle everything myself, the one-man quintet. Let's take it where it hasn't been yet. Dear black man, worth life. One take. Fuck you. as what's going on in our world in the community. But at least touched upon this recent incident and now has been there have been several incidents. Several there have been recently of young students shooting up schools, classrooms and the response by the state. What did people make up this last incident just recently occurred, I think in the state of Texas? Well, you know, this seemed to be a Hispanic young brother got the idea that uh, he was going to respond to shooting large numbers of students. And the state response was very slow in terms of reacting to this situation. And as a result, more and more information has come out, which they believe may have contributed to more children being killed. Now, in terms of response to the state, was that response based upon the nature of that particular grouping of students in terms of who they were, or was it something in terms of this is the normal protocol or how one should expect the state to react in such an incident by the high key? Many people believe because these more communities are Hispanic, that was another indication that they really had no no, no, I'm concerned for that community, nor do they value their lives. As they would have if it was a community of 
when you're with the middle upper class European students or European community. Brother Haki, what have you found out about this particular case that you may find so unusual, if anything? Yeah, well, the, the response time to the police was pretty good, but their act that the, the tactical movement, uh, you know, once they arrived on the scene, I mean, was somewhat uh, discombobulated. And uh, the reason for the um, for the lack of response, according to some of the officials there, was that given the conditions of the situation, the fact that the young man had uh, two AR-15s, uh, you know, uh, they felt it prudent to simply wait for backup with adequate amounts of, of, of firepower to contest uh, the firepower of a young man who was uh, uh, murdering the children. So I don't know, brother. I've got, I, I sort of got um, uh, I, I sort of got a, 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 a mixed perception in terms of what transpired. I certainly think you know the one of the reasons why you call it police is that you you, you anticipate a rapid response in terms of you know those, those kind of situations. But the fact that there was no rapid response raised the specter, perhaps, you know, that um, the, the, the lives of the children, <clears throat> you know, versus the lives of, of the officers, uh, in, that, in that regard, uh, it, it, it appears that the lives of officers took precedent over the lives of the children. Uh, you know, I, and I'm saying it's not an easy situation. I mean, clearly, I mean, if he had two AR-15s, automatic repertory and he's firing. Uh, clearly, I mean, the bottom line is the, the probability that you're going to be hit by fire is probably high. So clearly, you know, um, you know, um, I, so I can certainly understand in terms of the hesitancy in terms of the police. But the bottom line is that given the fact that when you have, you know, the, the, the vest and the helmets and those kind of things to protect you, you know, in the event you get, sh- you get hit by the bullet, uh, it seems to me those things should have been should have been should have calculated should have been calculated in terms of response you know, of the police in in terms of actually going into the schools much more quickly in terms of limiting the casualties that were inflicted upon those children. Uh, I think you're right. I think if it had in fact they had respond quicker in terms of actually entering the school, then there'd have been considerably less deaths in terms of the children, you know, um, in that school. I think their delays sort of precipitated an increase in terms of young children losing their lives. So I'm having some mixed thoughts in terms of that. You know, on the one hand, I do understand tactical considerations. But on the other hand, you know, the whole point is that, you know, that's your job. I mean, your job, you, you always you always talk about how dangerous the job is. Well, here's an opportunity, you know, to, to, to demonstrate to people just how dangerous the job is. Then you should have did what you're hired to do. That is to confront that danger and to save the lives of those children. So uh, for me, Brother Africa, is, is problematic. I, I think you're probably correct. I don't see that kind of hesitancy in terms of, you know, if, in fact, this was, 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 was a school of, of rich children. I don't see that kind of delay happening. So I think the, the fact that we're talking about, you know, you're working class people, uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, Latin people, uh, perhaps that, 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 that played a part in terms of uh, the thinking of the, uh, of the police officials, you know, uh, during that incident. Okay, let's go to Brother Anthony. How do you view this narrative, Brother Anthony? Well, it's something that was before in the sense of uh, most people would expect, or was it something unusual about their response or lack of Brother Anthony? Well, I think that the 
I think uh, I concur with Haki on this one. I think, uh, you know, that given that uh, that this was a, 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 a working class, these were children were from the working class community, and that they were, uh, you know, uh, indigenous, uh, you know, I think that might have played a factor in their response, that they might not have wanted to put their lives on the line for these, uh, you know, for the, uh, you know, for these children for that reason. But uh, I don't think, uh, I don't think, the, I, I, I think you're correct. I don't think the response w- would have been the same after that than than the children of upper class Europeans, and uh, you know, and I think it attests to the racism that permeates this society. The fact that uh, you know, the fact that that that's a, that that is a possibility. Uh, but uh, also, uh, and also, I think uh, you know, another question that comes to mind too. Is how does a youth get access to uh, two AK-47 rifles? And those rifles are only are only for killing other human beings. They serve no other purpose. So I think it. Uh, I think it raised a question about. You know uh, how easy it is to get guns in this society, regardless of what the purpose is. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And Brother Moses, what is your take on this situation? What is your take on this situation, Brother Moses? I think I think um, Brother Haki and Brother Anthony have covered the high points. So. The basic layout, um, the orientation to the issue, or whatever. Um, um, this is a tragic uh, incident. Um, um, it shows that you know finance capital. Um, if you got the money to buy the weapons, uh, there's no, there's no regulation, uh, um, no no oversight. Uh, you can't buy in Texas. You can you can't buy cigarettes. If you're until you're 21, you can't you can't drink until you're 21. Uh, but you can go out and buy an AR-15 at 18. So that says something right there. Um, uh, the and I, I want to throw back throw, throw back to um, earlier um, what I was saying about finance capital and fascism. Um, um, Israel, Zionist, the Zionist state of Israel is institutionalized, um, codified fascism, the apartheid state of Zionism. Um, and so they are financed by the U.S. They finance capital, um, um, and uh, they they terrorize the whole area of, of, of that region uh, with, with their open tyranny. And uh, anyway, I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And Sister Eleanor, 
What do you make of this situation? Uh, Brother Africa, of course, is horrific. But the thing that should come to the attention of everyone is that this is a mass shooting, which happens commonly in this country. You know, Sandy Hook, uh, we can just go down the list. You know, uh, it's unsurprising. These mass shootings appear to happen frequently. And the list from the past decade includes supermarkets in Buffalo and Boulder, Colorado, a rail yard in San Jose, California, a birthday party in Colorado Springs, a convenience store in in Springfield, Missouri, a synagogue in Pittsburgh, churches in in, in Sutherland Springs, Texas, and in Charleston, South Carolina, the Walmart, El Paso, a FedEx warehouse in Indianapolis, uh, a music festival in Las Vegas, massage parlor in Atlanta, and they are, as Brother Hakeem and the, and the Alan said, um, they are also. Uh, races uh, like the Atlanta was attacking Asians and 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 it demonstrates uh, and they're aimed at the poor and working class and and the list goes on because we don't want to forget Nashville uh, you know where a gay nightclub or the gay nightclub in Orlando Florida or a movie house in Colorado and and it, it, it's it's just outrageous. So saying it's outrageous, but we need to focus. This, this is how we live. You don't need to take these injured people somewhere to get blood because you need to have a blood bank on your EMS vehicles and be able to give in a transfusion right there. What got me was the police response where one policeman went in and got his kid and I don't know, and they were tasing people trying to get their children, a police officer sitting on a parent, a woman trying to rescue her child. It was just chaos, and it really demonstrated the lack of organization and training in the police department and how it's a them-against-us mentality. The police uh, are the... Are, are are the us and we are the them, and this really needs to change. This is a type of cultural aggression that lends itself to um, growing children uh, that become uh, murderers of other. Children, this this is just outrageous, and I, I this 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 thing down here in Texas may be uh, uh, second only to Sandy Hook, if not larger. And you know, look at the the high schools uh, or the schools, because I think a majority, like there was one called. Stoneman Douglas High School, there was the Oxford High School, there was the Santa Fe High School, Columbine, let's not forget them, Rob Elementary. In Texas, this 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 is outrageous. Now of course people say since twenty nine 
gun homicide rates have gone up in rich countries. We see the crisis in Mexico, uh, in Greenland, and in Israel, and 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 uh, Italy, uh, even Japan and and Switzerland. But there's really no excuse. So we need to change how we're going to address emergencies, medical emergencies, since mass shootings are common in our culture. This seems to be what's going on. I read this week that uh, guns kill about 45,000 Americans each year. And uh, I, I don't know how this rates up with other nations, but it's outrageous. And I don't think nowhere else do little kids go to school the last week of school thinking that they might be shot that day. I don't even think the children think about that even now. Because, and thank God they don't. We don't want people to live this way because that will cause them to become violent and aggressive. So I I I I, uh, I read about uh, uh, this quite a bit this week and uh, learned uh, how frequent it is to the point that uh, when I realized many of the uh, some of the deaths were simply because uh, the folks had to be transported the children to receive transfusions. I just realized it seemed like a no-brainer to have the blood go, to, be there and go to the site and re, and respond as quickly as uh, uh, possible, you know. Why have an ambulance there to carry someone somewhere when all you need is uh, IV and, 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 and blood and just start administering it to these children and save, try to save lives? And uh, another moment of silence and this sort of thing. Of course, we need that, but we we need to change how we're living, and we need we can stop some of this by looking at how we sell guns, manage guns, and and who receives guns. As Brother Moses said. You know, he talked about Texas. There are places in Texas where you cannot buy alcohol at all, but yet you can go in and buy a weapon at 18. So we need to rethink all of this and how we're living and how we're functioning because we are leading the world in these mass shootings. And, 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 And we're depriving children of their future, we're depriving our nation of their genius and and contributions to our society. Um, you 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 listen to these nine one one calls from these children, like the little girl Eva. Uh, you know her. Uh, it was too much. A uh, fourth grade teacher was killed trying to sub- like pr- protect her children. Uh, you know, anguished families waiting late into the night to find out whether their children were among those killed and having to use DNA. This boy's weapon was so powerful. I understand they had to use DNA to identify the bodies. That's why these parents had to wait so long. 
<laughs> oh boy, and the uh, and the young man, the child who did the murdering, Salvador Ramos, who had allegedly killed his grandmother before going to school, had attended uh, a nearby high school, and uh, we we don't know what's on his mind. He died at the scene. We need to tranquil. They should have tranquilized that boy and figured out what the heck's going on. Where. Where was he getting this kind of information would lead him to believing this was how to end his life and that it was appropriate to end his grandmother's life and post it on on his computer to let people know he had done it and he was going out to kill others. There's, there's something wrong here, Brother African. I don't know the solution, and I think... The other panelists uh, uh, are hitting it oh, on the head. The solution is the African Revolution, Sister Eleanor. Let's talk about that for a little bit. To the panelists, and I start out with you, Brother Haki. Come on, let's speak truth to power now. We talk about children shooting other children. My major issue with that is that what what has been the conditions that will begin to allow children to develop a mindset of want to kill. When you're talking about killing, that's not something you normally associate with behavior and thinking patterns of children. But at least we know when we look at America, now this is becoming a norm when it comes to children developing that kind of mindset. Who is to blame for that kind of behavior, Brother Haki? Children wasn't born like that. You know, we said America is at balance of apple pie. Is this another situation of this phenomenon, Brother Haki? How do a child develop just the whole idea of thinking one act in that capacity? And no one is addressing that. <clears throat> well, uh, um, Jimmy Alamine is absolutely correct. American is as balanced as cherry pie. There's, there's no question about that. But you hit on a very important point, Brother Africa. That is one of socialization. Uh, one of the things that we don't do, we don't do anymore. At least historically, we have. But certainly in the, in, the, in the current context, one of the things we don't do is we don't talk about the institutions in terms of our impact, the way people behave, or the way people think. One of the things is that when you dehumanize uh, children, uh, children don't necessarily have what they need. They grow up in chaotic circumstances. They don't have access to, to quality food. Uh, they live in situations in which the stress is just just abhorrent. Uh, you talk about, uh, you know, children are moving from place to place in terms of trying to survive. The reality is that you're going to create a human being that is not the best human being in the world. And unfortunately, given those chaotic conditions, those very negative conditions, then you, you actually contribute uh, to a mindset which is uh, antisocial. And this is the problem in terms of America. This is why the problem with capitalism. This is why capitalism creates create such, such devastation. Because one of the things capitalism does, it does a very good job in terms of dehumanizing people. And see, if the process started when people were older, that's one thing. But when the process starts, when at the time, you know, children, you know, from the, from the womb, the process starts, then you've got to understand that those kids are up against forces which they have no conceivable way of understanding. Then superposed upon that is a situation where a lot of times, Parents don't have the luxury in terms of uh, having the know of all in terms of understanding the conditions and how they impact on the way that children think or the way that children behave. 
So it's a very, it's a very, it's a very uh, devastating situation all the way around. But clearly, you're absolutely correct, Brother Alfred. One of the things we have to begin to do is attribute it to capitalism so people understand precisely what it is. Now, I know people will say, hey, Brother Haiki, come on now. Uh, I, I know people who I, I, brought up, I was brought up under capitalism. I didn't do that. You know, no, I mean, there's, there's, there's no question. There are people, despite the horrendous conditions that they come up under, were able, luckily were able to escape the negative socialization effect of, associated with poverty and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and lack of uh, material abundance. There's no question about that. You have the exceptions. So I'm not raising this to be an absolute. What I'm saying in terms of, in terms of preponderance of, of, this, of this probability, what I'm saying is that there's more, an ob- there's, there's more likelihood that this happens if you expose kids to these negative kind of conditions. So I know as a, as, a, as a young man growing up and, 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 and being around a lot of positive people, you know, coming up, a lot of those people today, you know, are either dead or incarcerated, not because they were negative people, because the conditions in which they had to contend with was a bit much. And so one of the things we have to do in terms of those of us who are, who are conscious, that we have to begin to create conditions in the community to protect the emotional, psychological stability of our children. But in order for us to do that, we got to first and foremost understand that there's a system in place which is diametrically opposed to our survival. And once we understand that, then we can navigate the system and figure ways in terms of protecting the emotional and psychological stability of our children. I don't know. I can't make it any clearer. I can't. I, I say that a lot, you know, and I can't make it any clearer. But it seems to be a very difficult point for a lot of people to grasp. Uh, one of the things people want to believe that people that children are inherently bad. It doesn't work that way. No child is inherently bad, as you alluded to, Brother Africa. We're talking about conditions that shape the way the kid, the way the kids see the world. And so when you got a kid who's growing up and say who's on a consuming a sugar diet, whose parents can't afford, who maybe worked in two or three jobs, can't afford to feed them properly, who giving them potato chips and and cakes to survive, then then clearly in terms of you know his 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 his, his, uh, his uh, capability in terms of performing well academically is minimized, because number one the sugar is going to destroy his ability to think. There's no question about it. That's science. That's not that's not some that's not some anecdotal. Uh, uh, response uh, uh, to to this notion in terms of sugar hampers uh, kids' intellectual abilities. That's science, and so you got a kid growing up in those kind of situations and and, and, and who is so desperate. Then you got to understand that if you give, you know, the reality is that the opportunities that society offers to the extent that they offer some opportunity, it's, they offer no opportunity for kids who see no way out. And so therefore, you got essentially you got children who grew up who learn to be callous and cold at a very early age. And certainly by the time they're 12, given these conditions, then the reality is that reaching those children becomes extremely tough, extremely difficult to pull off. So we have to start with the kids that are younger, but we take, it takes a community to understand the, the, the socialization piece, who understand how, these, how capitalism impacts on the way our children think. If we don't do that to buffer our children against the negative impacts of this capitalist socialization, then we then we anticipate, we can anticipate more of these kind of killings, more more of the situation of kids killing kids, more of this kind of anti social anti social persona uh, that's, 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 that's manifesting itself throughout the American society and throughout the West as well. I might add. So clearly, Brother Africa, you're absolutely correct. But we have to understand fundamentally that institutions play a big part in terms of the way people see them, how children see themselves how they think, and how they behave. And if we don't address that, the reality is that we can anticipate more of the same. It's that simple. Brother Anthony, you next. Before you respond, respond, Brother Anthony, 
I can see a way in America and capitalism to add fire, fuel to fire. I can definitely see them they can start calling back again, which they never left. More police be in schools, which it shouldn't be. You have more kids where children have been beaten and attacked by the police for acting like children when they're in elementary school level, when they're in elementary school level. So I just see this going to lead, lead back to more worse issues that will affect our kids and the day positive coming out of it. I hate to say that, Anthony, but we have been down the road before. How do we stop it? Your response, Brother Anthony. More police, contrary to, uh, to what's put out by the news media, is not the solution. Uh, what it is, is, uh, and this is difficult, uh, and I concur with all the points Brother Haki made, and I would add a couple of others. Uh, one, I think uh, the educational system and the media play a factor, a major factor. I mean, uh, I mean, if you look at uh, uh, the media that uh, children are exposed to, they are they are exposed to violence at an early age, uh, especially when you look at things like movie uh, reality shows and, and that sort of thing. And so the fact that a lot of working class parents do not uh, are working uh, two or three jobs to keep a roof over their family's head. So therefore they cannot, they cannot monitor what their children look at. That's one factor. Another factor I would add too, is that the United States is probably the easiest place in the world to get guns. And to compound that, because there are 50 political entities called states, there is no uniform policy as far as uh, gun control is concerned, uh, unlike, uh, you know, control over the sale of uh, alcohol and tobacco. And uh, you know each state does what, it, what, what uh, you know whatever it wants to do, as far as uh, you know gun regulation is concerned. So I, you know it's a complex set of factors, and uh, the only way uh, the only way uh, to re- uh, to resolve it is that uh, people need to be organized. We need to be in organizations that are working for our people's liberation. And also, we have to be in position to spend time educating our youth. And that's difficult, especially when you come, when you become parents at, at a stage in your life where you're not necessarily ready to take on that role but also when you have to work multiple occupations to work make ends meet. But, uh, you know, but but that's why we have to work, 
get together, uh, you know, as some people so we can, uh, you know, start solving some of these problems. You know, Brother Anthony, I heard what you said. I just wonder if there will come, if and when there will come a point in time where the guns are turned around on conditions and just cause. I bet you they will come up with a national policy among the 50 states to deal with that. I, I agree with you. I think if, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, it's, per, it's primarily because uh, you have the poor and working class fighting amongst themselves. But if they, but if those guns were aimed at the ruling class, you're right. I think I I I I I I, I think I, I think they would uh they would start to come up with a more uniform policy as far as uh, gun regulation is concerned. All right, let's go to Sister Eleanor. Talk to me, Sister Eleanor. You in the seat? I know you can take the heat. You define it. How should they deal with the situation? Well, I agree with Brother Haki and Brother Anthony about the issue. And Brother Anthony just hit it on the head. These guns are turned at the working class, at children. And and it's children carrying out these assaults. But you got to look at what they're looking at. January 6th, there was an insurgency to take over the U.S. government. And this violence, no one has been held to take real responsibility, and five people were were killed. And the most time anyone has gotten is 42 months. And we don't know what role President Trump or some of his AIDS or, or others played in this, or 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 Congress by having these people come in and show them around the Capitol, and the other thing, as Brother Anthony and Haki have talked about, working class people, you go in their homes, and their kids have cell phones, computers, and they're quiet. So the computers have become the babysitters. And you see little kids in strollers. You can tell the working class because they'll have a mechanical device in their hand. And it's interesting, um, as a a worker myself, sometimes I go into the affluent, I used to go in affluent homes to do my work as an artist and an educator, and I would notice that. The children had no computers, no television, and no telephones in their rooms. Not only that, telephones weren't all over the house either. They were in offices and restricted places. And so what has happened is this new social media has become the babysitter and the friend of children. So they don't even know who they're talking to. And we call people that we meet on the computer are friends, and children are doing this. And as Brother Anthony said, parents are working several jobs 
just to put a roof over their family's head. And we thought that since our children were computer literate, and so many of us aren't, that that was a good thing. We're fascinated and impressed when our children uh, are so easily uh, able to understand computers and 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 enjoy them and and uh, computerized toys. But I think these gaming systems, Grand Theft Auto, and all of these things where you get points for uh, shooting elderly people, you call women awful names and you get points for that. But there's another thing about the community. You know, oftentimes people don't take responsibility for our children and our youth. They watch them indulge in bad behavior and do not try to change it or restrict it. That is not only consent. But that's encouragement. They're educating their these children by taking no action, by not saying anything. And that's outrageous. And let me tell you something. Children are inherently good. They want to be helpful. And one thing about these murderers, they think they're helping. They're told that they have to sacrifice their lives to save the country. And we have to remember that we have this cult political network called QAnon where uh, some people believe there are many zombies and you can't tell who a zombie is unless you've killed them and you have to take an oath to murder to protect the United States. So we're we're at a very strange time in in, in history with social media and the emergence of authoritarian governments and um, children, millions of children being babysat by the computer and the television. And if you can't afford cable you and you have old-time TV, you can't restrict the channels they watch. And if they're looking at non-cable, it's often a lot of violent reruns. And you're taught that the violence is being done by good guys to stop the bad guys. This this whole phenomena is, you know, gone way beyond cowboys and Indians. But it's just the cultural phenomena that we have promoted. And we have a uh, workers working longer hours, more time than ever, and the children left to their own demise. And and imagine if you're a child and you told you're bad because you took some potato chips off a shelf and ate them because you're hungry. Imagine how you must feel as a hungry person and not being able to go in the store and watch as other people do in the grocery and say, hey, I'd like to try a pomegranate. Can we have blueberries? No, we can't have blueberries. They're six ninety nine, and we got to feed four people. Can't do that. No blueberries. We got to go over here and get this uh, fructose uh, product here. We got to get uh, a lot of pasta so we can feed each other. So it's a horrific uh, time 
right now, Brother Africa. And uh, I think Brother Haki and Brother Anthony are right on point about uh, the media and uh, uh, computers and the uh, and and the amount of time our children are spending with unattended with 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 the media with the computer with the television it's 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 it's, it's unbelievable okay sister no let's see if we can get our brother moses in we haven't forgotten about you brother moses uh what you'd like to raise as it relates to this issue well um you are you are very verbose and uh, and analytical and uh, on point, and um, I don't like to repeat things that people have been saying. And uh, uh, but um, this is you know uh, the children are our future, and um, we need to we need to teach them well and let them lead the way, as the song says. And uh, um, you know the the school system uh, doesn't need police. Um, we need we need to change the laws about these weapons. Uh, I think the U.S. has had a hundred and hundred and some um, incidents this this year, while most countries haven't had more more than three, two, or three, one. Uh, and uh, you know, so it shows that there's a disproportionate. Uh, situation uh with this weapons and so we need to to ban these these AK fifteens and from twenty twenty to at least you're twenty one at least that would be a step in the right direction at least. Uh, I don't know. I'll leave it right there. Thank you. You know, Brother Moses and panelists if America really truly believe in their children and are willing to teach them well and let them lead away, then they'd be in trouble. Because that would mean that the, the, the children would lead down the road of the overthrow of the U.S. capitalist system. Because the enemy to not only the children, but to all humanity. But before we go into our topic tonight, my final thought is, Brother Anthony, you said something earlier, and I just want to tie this in the discussion about the summit coming up and whether you had chose to not allow or, or not give visas to Cuba where they can come in and participate in this so-called, you know, American summit of these different countries and in, in, in Central South American Caribbean that are going to be meeting this um, next coming, coming weeks. And he's saying they in violation of human rights. But just by mentioning how they deal with children here in this country, is it not a violation of the children's human rights? Refusing to allow them to be children. It is. Uh, it, it, it is, and uh, and it's a contradiction. And um, you know, it shows the crisis that capitalism faces. Uh, in the fact that, uh, that in the fact that on the one hand, uh, you, uh, you know, uh, you know, politicians pre- uh, preach about the right to bear firearms. They don't want to infringe upon that. Yet one of the contradictions of capitalism is that an individual 
can infringe on other individuals' rights with no consequences to that individual whatsoever. And uh, that's what we're saying played out here. In other words, uh, it's a case where one individual's rights uh, will supersede another another people's individual rights. You don't have that problem in societies that are trying to build socialism because the rights of the people are primary over uh, uh, over the rights of the individual. So uh, you know, so I, I think I, I think in terms of the levels of uh, gun violence being being seen in the U.S., there are a number of complicating factors. But the biggest ones, uh, the biggest ideological issue is a philosophical one. Might makes right. And in other words, under capitalism, an individual uh, can exercise their rights, even at the expense of other of other people's rights. And on that point, Brother Anthony, I can bring Haki in and add to your point. This is why they call it capitalism. If you don't have no capital, you don't have no rights. You don't have no power. And this is what people must come to grasp. Capitalism means that it's a system that was set up only for those who have capital to, to participate and govern how things will be. Brother Haki, I may have missed the point, but... Um, can you back me up on that one? Yeah, I think I, 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 I think, you know, one of the things we have to understand is that, you know, self actualization is key in terms of children growing up being, you know, uh, you know, healthy, productive uh individuals. One of the things capitalism does because it understands that the biggest threat to capitalism is an informed society. So certainly one of the things you want to do is not to create a informed society, but at the same token you want to limit the opportunity for those who in that society have the opportunity to actually compete in terms of the resources of that society. So in that context, capitalism has a vested interest in terms of making sure that uh, children, based upon their skin color, based upon their economic standings, uh, is to allow you to determine their, their opportunities in the society. And so, therefore, in, in, creating, that, in creating those conditions, then it assures that capitalism has some longevity. Because after all, the people who benefit, the children who benefit from capitalism, to the people, kids, or kids who are who are wealthy, and so this is a, this is not to, this is not to disregard you know the exceptions. I mean, there are exceptions to the rule. I mean, if you look at the history of African people, and look at the horrid conditions African people have come up under, and despite those horrid conditions, African people were able to excel, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, academically and economically. So that's not to say that those those situations don't don't exist. But what I'm saying. Is that when we look at in terms of in terms of in terms of the current structure, current capital structure, they're much more scientific in terms of how they're going about creating the conditions which undermines the development of children. And so, in that context, I think one of the things that we we have to understand is that I, you know when I, when I keep saying that you know that we need to understand the, you know the the conditions that adversely impact the minds of our children, and if we could protect our children from that, then children will be free to ex, free to excel. Uh, but one of the things that we have to understand is that people in positions of power understand that fundamentally, and so therefore those 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 institutions in the community 
uh, those people who advocate in terms of the empowerment of the people fundamentally become a problem to the system at large. And so the likelihood in terms of actually being able to put into place those kind of institutions that empower the children uh, is a direct threat to those institutions of power. So as a consequence, one of the things that, you know, when, when, when you start talking about, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, bringing to fruition, you know, uh, programs which are geared toward empowerment of children, you find yourself in, in, river, in deep trouble. I used to work at the, a uh, long, long time ago, you know, uh, you know, at a college, I used to work with, um, with uh, at, at a juvenile correctional center. And one of the things I, I uh, instituted when I was there was this whole issue around, around, uh, around African history because it was key because these kids was consumed with self-hatred. I mean, these kids was just so self-hating. And we talk about violence and, 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 and you know, inflicting violence on one another. That's what they did. I mean, the self-hatred was just palpable. So what I did was institute the whole, the whole structure, you know, the, you know, informal structure around African history in which we set them down after they eat, they come back in and take a shower. They get it, all right, everybody, you know, on your beds, we're going to have these discussions around African history, and we did it every night. Well, of course, needless to say, I got in big trouble. <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care because of my commitment to the children. So I really didn't care about the, the, the establishment being upset about the audacity of this, this, this fellow to come in here and to educate these kids in terms of the structure and inequities that exist in the society. But I did it because I understand in order for any chance of them kids to not live, you know, continue to live in correctional institutions, they had to understand fundamentally understand that there is a system in place which doesn't necessarily care about their self-interest. And because they don't care about their self-interest, they understand, you know, that the kids are not in a position to actually challenge the system, which is precisely what they want. So what I was doing is actually, actually minimizing the impact of the system by getting kids to understand, you know, philosophically and, and politically precisely what is happening and why they think the way they think, why they do what they do, and so forth and so on. That constitutes a threat to the, to, 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 to the establishment. So clearly, Brother Africa, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that we have to think, we have to think in terms of self-accusation. And one of the things we cannot afford to do is allow the system, you know, allow the system, uh, give the system an option out. Uh, one of the things that we like to put the responsibility on parents and say the parents are responsible for the kids', kids upbringing or the kids' uh, 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 stake in life. We don't want to do that. Because that's somewhat disingenuous. Because one of the things we understand that in terms of a parent's ability to impact their children to a large extent depends on their ability in terms of in terms of providing media, uh, 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 um, uh, providing a, a, a material comfort to that child. Uh, one of the things, if you got a poor parent, you know, and you got a kid who say let's who's, who's who's for some reason let's say disobedient, and you try to discipline them by talking to them and timeouts and doing all these kind of things in terms of you know, then that kid has competed in society, which says that you know, uh, you know, uh, that that only that only that that, that magnifies you know his his, his his sense of contempt you know, for the world. And so, time out talking to him may not actually get to that child in terms of having to see a a a a, a foreseeable change in terms of his behavior, his or her behavior. But if I had the opportunity, if, if I'm more influent, and I could tell my child, so listen, if you behave yourself, you do this. Listen. You, you, okay, you want your room this color? It's done. Uh, you want this kind of bed? It's done. Uh, you want this kind of gaming system? It's done. If I can, if I can do those kind of things in which the kids have a stake in terms of actually conforming this behavior, then I have a better shot in terms of impacting that child's behavior. 
let's be very clear on that point. That's 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 not hyperbole. That's not an exaggeration. That is real, and parents out there understand that is very very real. And so we cannot allow the system off the hook. If all parents have access to the quality, I mean quality, you know, quality wages, uh, the opportunity, you know, to provide for their families in a way which is meaningful, then those poor parents will have equal amount of power that wealthy parents have in terms of being able to condition their children to do that which is positive or favorable. So let's be clear and not not let the, the system off the hook in terms of blaming parents, you know, for these for these situations that happen, particularly when we talk about violence inflicted, you know, when children inflict violence upon one another or inflict violence generally. So clearly, Brother Africa, I, I think that I'll simply conclude and simply say that, you know, one of the things that, you know, we have to understand first and foremost, you know, that 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 that, that, that people are people and to and for us to think that influences, you know, outside the home doesn't impact the behavior of children is somehow disingenuous, not close to that. Thank you, Brother Hackey. Sister Eleanor, what do you think? Is this a violation of human rights of children? The accused Cuban violation of human rights, but who, is, who are the biggest violators of human rights? Cuban children don't respond like that, act like that. Why do you think so? Well, again, uh, I think Brother Haki and Brother Anthony have summed it up. Our children are, as I said, are innocent and thoughtful and good and want to help and want to serve. That's all I've ever seen children desire. We need to, we're busy in this country banning books rather than than than. Um, promoting literacy. So we need to read to our children each day, read helpful things, wonderful, loving stories. I love you. You know, I to let your child know I love you to the moon and back. Read it every day. I don't care if that's the only book you have. Read The Hungry Caterpillar. Uh, you get to see a fantastic artist and see a wonderful book that tells you how you go from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. Tell the children how good they are and 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 love them uh and this over disciplinary thing that we have, and we heard down in Texas where they want to arm the teachers and add police to the school. This does nothing good for our community. What this will do is teach the children that they are bad and they are dangerous. And certainly I wouldn't want my child in the classroom with an armed teacher. Moreover, we know when officers are in the school, the children that tend to be profiled are African, uh, disabled, uh, special needs children and poor people, and we need to just face that reality. So police are not the answer, guns are not the answer. Guns are the problem. I read this week that um, every American, with the guns we have in private circulation right now, every man, woman, and child could have a gun, and and one article, I don't know if it's disinformation, says we could have 120 guns each. 
And um, as the panelists have already said, some of these weapons are only to kill people. Why are they being sold? What is the purpose? Why are we being taught that to fear each other, to our neighbors? That is not building community. Again, I think reading and promoting literacy, expanding educational rights, and to answer your question, yes, we are violating the children's human rights when we have a problem with hunger. We have a problem with women having control over their bodies, young girls having control over their bodies, and being forced to bear children, so we have children having children. Uh, We do not uh, support families with children. We make them think if they get a tax credit that they're part of the ruling class and they're not educated to know that tax credit doesn't make them a, a, a Donald Trump or a Bill Gates or a Jeff Bezos. It's something they rightfully need and deserve because they are families and 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 we just need uh better education. I think education is the answer and it's not education by computers and uh, uh screens, but it's education by people. And let's go back to the basics. Read to the children each day. It should be reading time three times a day if possible. And the children should be allowed to read to us and read to each other. We need to know basic physics. You know, people don't realize if I hang a a, 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 a heavy object on a hook, it's not going to fall because gravity is pulling it toward the ground or pulling it toward the hook. So it won't fall. People don't know basic things like that. We need to teach basic science. We can use art. We can even use cooking to teach chemistry and science. We teach use art to teach mathematics and science. So there's so much we can do, but it starts with human contact. And, yes, we are violating children's rights and we're sending these murderous children to prisons where they will be violated in the prison industrial complex, and they will be sacrificed. You saw that murderous child in, in Buffalo in court in paper. So someone, the police apprehended him and then tore his clothes off. Why? Something's wrong. Again, the police are out of control in the precincts, and, and and we're just not really prepared to handle us. Uh, uh, we, we failed. The education system has failed. Um, as uh, one of the analysts talked about, you know, being a republic, everybody's making their own laws and rules. And as one Alan was talked about, the rules in Texas, again, think about having dry counties. That means no alcohol. Have gun-free areas. And we now have a congresswoman who wants to bring her gun into the Capitol. 
she should resign from her job if she feels that she is in fear and needs to walk into the U.S. Capitol with a gun. She's not qualified for the job. She needs to walk in with a pencil. So um, Ted Cruz and Governor Abbott and these people have come up with these bad ideas this week about teachers arming themselves and putting two officers in every school. That's not the solution. That's escalating the problem. It's violating the children's basic civil rights. And somehow we think uh, creating these quasi, I call them uh, public prisons. You know, uh, when you're poor, to have housing, you have to uh, sign in. You have to have security guards. Your guests have to leave at 11. You can't have overnight guests, this kind of thing. This is basic... uh, mental insecurity prison. So we're more and more trying to control the poor and working class and limit their their freedom and independence. And what we we these are human rights violators. And quite frankly, other nations don't have these mass shootings. They had one in, in New Zealand, they changed the laws immediately. They had one in Ireland the laws were changed nationally um, immediately. Didn't happen again. Same thing in Australia. I don't think these things have happened anywhere else since. And it happened once in those three venues. And the issue was squashed by the government, the national government. It wasn't left to any county or municipality to address it on their own. It's a national issue. And the Congress needs to pass laws concerning gun control and reform. Children's rights are being not only violated, their lives are being taken. Let's see if we can get Brother Moses in. Then we're going to make a transition to our Theme tonight, which is part three, disinformation and lies. Brother Moses, uh, you got a final thoughts on these issues, Brother Moses? I really don't have much to say on it. Everybody seems to be covering it, the ground pretty good. Uh, um, children are, are our future, and we have to definitely, have to definitely, definitely have to teach them well. Well, and um, that's the bottom line. This this gun laws need to be changed. Um, um, the U.S. U.S. is glaring, glaringly, and blatantly um, trying to do something that's impossible in terms of repeating the same thing and expecting different results. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses, and to our listening audience, this is Africa on the Moon. You can tune in with us every Sunday evening from 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. We try to deal with issues and concerns that affect our communities, as well as to give you an opportunity to come in and share your experiences, your history, your thoughts, so we can better understand our world 
And with a better understanding of our world, we've been in a better position to change it. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a rupture station break, and when we come back, we can discuss the first article dealing with why lies lie, what signs tell us about deception, then we will follow that with an issue with Homeland Security and this question of dealing with disinformation, and Brother Anthony going to lead us with, uh, with that particular topic. So we'll be right back. Don't you go nowhere. We salute to all African people of Revolutionary Party GC on a job well done for this month, African Liberation Month, and for those who have not had a chance to participate in the past activities for this month, we encourage you to do so by going to their website at www.a-aprp.cc.org. And we want to remind you that coming up on the 31st of this month, closing out the month, that will be a really interesting um, history presentation on the struggle of the institution ARD and other issues that will be presented by one of the great minds of this time of our people, Brother Bob Brown. So we want you to check that out from 7 to 10 p.m. It will be here right on this station, Africa on the Move. This will be Tuesday night for 7 to 10 p.m. Please put it on your calendar. So right now we're going to take our rubbish break, and we'll be back and continue the discussion on Part 3, Disinformation Lies. This is Brother Africa, and this is Africa on the Move.
And uh, his former lawyer testified to that. The porn star. Huh? The porn star. The young lady who's the porn, yeah. porn star. What's her name? Yeah, the young lady. She was a porn star. star. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. I can remember her name. Yeah. But uh, he ex- he devows that he actually paid, you know, to keep her quiet, and, which is a crime. Uh, but uh, his staff defended him nonetheless. So to a large extent, I guess when we talk about power, we can't talk about the propensity to lie without talking about the immorality of power. One of the things in terms of being in power, uh, when you look at Washington, D.C. specifically, and you look at this huge salary these people receive from the Congress, the, the, from the Congress, uh, the, the, the Senate, um, the, the staffers, uh, the presidents, you look at these large sums of money they receive, and this is no coincidence that they receive large sums of money for their wages. Uh, this is the part impossible that the expectation is that you get this kind of money. The expectation is that you will lie. And I'm often, I'm often uh, reminded about the case of Kenneth Ford, a former uh, ex uh, NSA analyst, uh, because he refused to lie, eventually got himself uh, convicted of uh, espionage. Uh, you know, the situation in which Dick Cheney had anticipated, uh, um, you know, Kenneth Ford coming out with some explanation in terms of. Uh, Kenneth Ford um, uh, explaining that he overheard uh, some uh, some uh, Iraqis uh, talking about weapons of mass destruction. Well, Kenneth Ford never heard anybody saying about weapons of mass destruction, so he wasn't able to report that. Well, the expectation was that we are paying you large sums of money. Uh, the expectation by Cheney was that you're going to tell us a lie because we're paying you large sums of money. He didn't take the bait. As a consequence, he was set up and eventually sent, spent three years in prison for, for something that was concocted. So clearly this potential to lie is, is you know, something that's very much uh, part of the uh, part of uh, a capitalist system. Uh, when you look at the UK, you look at Boris Johnson propensity to lie, and you say, well, wow, is this, is this, is this, is this standard? Uh, yes, it is standard. Uh, one of the things you've got to do, if you're going to deny a large percentage of the population access to resources of the land, then you've got to be a, a, an average a liar in terms of uh, being able to convince people, uh, you know, that their impoverishment is due to their own and not the system in place that facilitates the poverty. So lying is probably impossible in terms of what it is to be a politician, particularly on a capitalist system. Brother Anthony, why lies lie? It's, a, uh, it's an and it's an attempt to gain power on the part of individuals. And uh, individualism is an aspect, is part of capitalism. And so uh, in, order, in order to seize or acquire power or maintain it, uh, politicians have to lie. And uh, looking at capitalist societies in general, and the U.S. in particular, uh, that seems to be uh, that seems to be par for the course. And uh, and uh, under capitalism, the name of the game is seizure of power by any means necessary, even if it means trampling over other people's uh, rights to do the same. So uh, you know, so I think I, I, I think it's more of a manifestation of uh, capitalism uh, than anything else. Even though uh, even though uh, the article talks about the propensity of lie is somewhat natural, 
I think it's, uh, uh, you know, based upon my study of socialism and capitalism, that it's, uh, that is part of a feature of capitalism in which is a tool by which individuals use to gain power in this society. Okay. This is Eleanor. When you read his article, talk about what were were some of the things that stood out the most for you. Well, it was when um, the telly, uh, Sherrod, a cognitive neuroscientist um, at the uni- University College London who led research, uh, he said that if you give people multi-opportunities to lie for their own benefit, that not only did the uh, response in the brain that would normally sub- suppress and make this make you feel bad about it, that the brain actually changed, and that uh, uh, they the liars had no problem with doing this. So it is about per- personal gain and being selfish. Uh, in a 2016 study. In the Journal of uh, Nature and Neuroscience, a guy named Airely and his colleagues showed how dishonesty alters people's brains, as Brother Haiku said, making it easier to tell lies in the future. And when people utter falsehoods, scientists notice the birth and the activity in their Emma. Uh, can someone help me with the pronunciation A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A? Would you help me, Brother Moses, uh, Brother Africa? I'm not quite <laughs> sure what? myself, Eleanor, but you made a point. You spelled it out so folks can articulate it the best way they That part can. of the brain that produces fear, brother Africa, anxiety, and uh, emotional response, including a strength, you know, the shrinking guilty feeling many people get when uh, when they lie, dissipates when, when liars begin to, <clears throat> when the scientists had their subjects play games in which they won money uh, by deceiving their partners. They notice the negative singles from that area of the game begin to decrease. And not only that, but when people face no consequences for their dishonesty, their falsehoods tend to get even more sensational. So I'm quoting from the article directly. So that was an interesting phenomenon. And, uh, and, and, as the analyst said, uh, when uh, President Trump's uh, press secretary stood up and, and and tried to act like these lies were okay and protected him, it was unbelievable. Uh, dangerous thing about lying is people don't understand how the act changes us. And... Uh, uh, and and uh, the behavioral psychologist down there at Duke 
uh, Dan Airley, uh, obviously, uh, spent a lot of time researching it and was able to show it through his work. Lying is in the news, uh, you know, the week after President Trump. A uh, longtime lawyer testified, uh, uh, what's that guy's name, the mayor with the, uh, I'm sorry, his name escapes me. No, I wanted to say the name of the prostitute, by the way, is Stormy Daniels. That's who President Trump tried to pay off. Uh, when he, It's in the article. Uh, he paid her hush money, $125,000 to the porn star named Stormy Daniels just uh, before the 2016 election. Uh, the courtroom ad- ad- admission not not only implicated Trump in, in a crime, it also exposed months of, of denial by the Trump aides. And uh, this was in 2016. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, uh, had made a statement on August 22nd uh, of that year saying the president did nothing wrong and called questions about him lying ridiculous. And that's on video. You can find that still on video on at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Okay, Brother Moses, what you take from this article? Well, the article was interesting. Um, it, it, people, uh, you have covered some of the high points. Uh, this this uh, chemical or whatever uh, alteration in the brain when you're lying, uh, um, and um, you know the bottom line is you know people are. Uh, are looking out for their own self-interest and uh, and their opportunism is part of the struggle. I mean, sacrificing long-term gains for short-term interests and uh, people tend to lie to get over and uh, uh, it's something that we have to struggle against. I don't know that article. I, nothing really stands out. I, I read the article, but I don't. I don't. I don't know. It was just an interesting article. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. You know, panelists. One of the things from this article I thought was interesting is pointed out that um, this question: the more you lie and you know there's no consequence to it, you're only going to reinforce it. And maybe that's sort of the basis on why. You know, politicians, institutions to continue to lie because they know there's no really no real consequences to it. Y'all respond to that position, brother Hackey? Yeah. Uh, first of all, the uh, the name of that part of the brain that deals with anxiety and fear is called the amygdala. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's no question. There's no question about it. There are there, there's no repercussions for lying, and you're right. They do understand that. They do understand they can lie to as much as they want. There is no real repercussions. To the extent there are some repercussions, normally you're talking about a news article, very small news articles, which allude to the fact that a politician lied about something. But it's not a it's, it's not a, 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 a mass presentation where you know all the major media outlets 
talked about the uh, peculiarity of the lies perpetrated by, you know, a particular politician. So you're absolutely correct, Brother Africa. They know they can get away with lying, and that's precisely what they do, which is why, the, uh, which is why uh, you know, uh, one of the reasons, aside from the, the, um, the, this, the uh, inequality affiliated with capitalism, uh, the, one of the, re- the other reason why this society is falling so quickly is because the 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 um, the, um, the the abundance of, of lying that takes takes place with respect to people, positions of power. So you're absolutely correct. Uh, there's no repercussions whatsoever in terms of lying, and that's why they do it. And speaking of lying, brother Anthony, we're gonna make a transition to our next article, which is really a continuation line. You know, the more things change, they say the more remain the same. Instead of saying in line, they create this word called disinformation. There's an article talking about homeland security, and it's a question of creating a disinformation board. But they have to lead us in this discussion. What were some of the highlight points that you got from this article? Okay. Um, the, the U.S. government put homeland security in charge of uh, regulating what can and cannot be discussed on the internet and uh and that's in the hands of the Department of Homeland Security and uh it's ironic because one of their primary tasks is to spread disinformation and uh and uh especially when the when that is favorable uh, to U.S. government policy. So it seems to be a contradiction to put Homeland Security in charge of regulating uh, what information can and cannot be uh, put put over the Internet inside the U.S. And uh, the implication of that is is going to make it harder uh, for political activists, uh, you know, to get the to get their views out and to get the truth out about what's happening in the U.S., especially outside of the U.S. And. Uh, uh, let's see. It goes into uh, how how this serves the uh, sectors of the ruling class, such as uh, George Soros and uh, you know major corporations like uh, Google and Facebook. So uh, you know, so um, you know, Homeland Security. Uh, you know, being in charge of uh, disinformation, and uh, you know, uh, when it's the uh, a major propaganda arm of the U.S. government, you know, uh, you know, it, you know, is uh, very hypocritical. You know, panelists, Brother Hockey, and then Sister Eleanor, um, we would like for y'all to respond to this narrative. So in this article, as I stated earlier, you know, we got to understand the nuances. They're not saying lying. They call it disinformation. So the public need to realize this concept of disinformation is just another form of lying. But not only that, 
we know Homeland Security doesn't have a good history track record of being straightforward honest, and um, there ain't no security in this so-called home. Now, the same people who are creating this board, these are the same people who have had the history of working with agencies to give out lies and disinformation. So are y'all willing to trust this narrative that there will be a creation of a board that will define what is disinformation? So in other words, it seems to me, Brother Hockey, they have always set up an apparatus no matter who says what, if they want to discredit you, even if you're the so-called president of the United States, they can do this through this form. So again, it's another form of control, deception, to deceive the people. Your response, Brother Hackey. You're you're right. That's that's precisely what it is. It's a strategy in terms of imposing censorship on people, so as to control information. And uh, but they they give this this, this flowery language. They call it disinformation. Uh, but you know the bottom line about the Africa. What the hell does this information mean? I mean, it, it means absolutely. It means zero. For instance. If I say to you, Federal Reserve, uh, in terms of uh, you know printing money, is good for uh, uh, increasing employment, or is it, or it does it stimulate inflation? Well, a lot of people say that by, by engaging in pr- money printing, the Federal Reserve is actually increasing opportunity for employment. Uh, but the reality is that what it actually does is stimulate inflation. But of course, if they name, if, if I say it stimulates inflation, if the people in power don't like that, they simply label it disinformation which means that information is taboo. In other words, the major media outlets cannot report printing leads to inflation. So clearly, Brother Africa, this information means nothing at all. It's, it's, it's a strategy in terms of, which, which is really censorship, which to make sure the information which is critical of the U.S. government in terms of, you know, its functions and its policies are uh, never see the light of day. And that's all it is, pure and simple. Zalnoa, talk to me. You trust Homeland Security and this disinformation board, says Eleanor? Well, I, no, I, I don't feel comfortable, but I just have to go back for one moment to the last article. I think it's important for our audience to know that uh, in terms of lying, Duke, the um, um, Green, the neuroscientist, found that only 5% of the people in the study ever became comfortable with lying. They found that the people that lie most often, people lying most often is only when something they need to uh, discuss or reveal is very troublesome. It's not for personal gain. So uh, human beings are not inherently liars. Some are, and that's a piece of social behavior. But that represents only five percent, five percent of the people in the study. And as far as homeland security, I agree with the other analysts. This is certainly not the agency that should be handling this kind of thing. And the fact that, as they talked about being experts in homeland security, that's a form of propaganda itself. Is this, as the article said, is this? Where, where do you become an expert? You simply declare yourself an expert, and that's it. And they talked about, uh, they kind of compared it to uh, George Orwell's uh, warning in his novel 1984. 
to U.S. politics. I'm quoting is is is, is uh, reflect reflectively dismissed as uh, uh, hypocritical, uh, a free and democratic country uh, like the United States could not possibly fall prey to uh, uh, this dystopia uh, repression Orwell depicted, yet it's quite difficult to distinguish this uh, this information board from the uh, Ministry of Truth in Orwell's uh, novel, you know, the propagandist uh, of Orwell's novel. Now, that's what they, uh, Winston Smith uh, worked in the uh, Ministry of Truth and described at length how its primary function was to create official versions of truth and falsity which always adhered to the government's needs at that moment and were subject to radical change (laughs) as those interests evolved. Now that was interesting that the author of the article would describe our new homeland security office with a a George Orwell novel uh, called uh, 1984. Oh, let's listen to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, you get the final say as we close out this segment, part three, Disinformation Last. Your take for this article, Brother Moses. Yeah, the article was interesting. Uh, Um, Certainly, uh, the Fox Garden the Hen House uh, analysis of uh, Homeland Security being being the um, responsible for misinformation, disinformation, or whatever um, bureau, and uh, certainly that's a problem. Uh, um, certainly, you know the 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 fact is, you know that there is a problem with misinformation and disinformation. Uh, Barack Obama spoke about it, uh, uh, and uh, it, uh, you know, but the solution is the, the solution is it's a whole horse of a different color. Uh, uh, um, the problem can't be solved by the U.S. government. Uh, U.S. government is the biggest purveyor of violence on the face of the earth, and and they definitely the CIA. The CIA is responsible for more disinformation than anybody. And so, uh, you know, it's a case of the fox garden and hen house. And I'll leave it right there. Thank you. And on that note, this is the going to move. We're going to take a revolutionary station break. And when we come back, we'll come back with our final thoughts. Don't you go nowhere.
in the pink stock. Chop them down when these bitches try to lock me down. Hit the ground, hit the turf, walk the earth. Kill, kidnap your mind, patty hurts. Fuck the first that'll make your ass hit reverse. Kill the curse that was placed on the universe. West Coast warlords, lock it in the black night. Fuck a black and white when they ain't acting right. Good cop, good cop, feeling natural report. Bad cop asking you to distort. Bad cop asking you to lie in court. Send another young brother up north. Send another young sister off course. Why these motherfuckers still on the golf course? Police showing out for the white cop. Police showing out for the black cop. Police showing out for the white cop. Police showing out for the black cop. Lazy cop. Fucking with that crazy cop. Always bragging about the new case they got. Do or die cop with that suicide cop. Tell the truth cop with that true lie cop. Are you fucking high cop? Don't even try cop. Ain't no motherfucking drugs up in my spot. All you find in my closet is a high cop. And my motherfucking ticket to the skybox. Hold up, nigga. Hold up. I'm a rider. Use a roller. Yes, the controller. Make me mad. That's when I get stolen. The incredible hocus bipolar. Come out the cup. Knock off the rust Throw my hands up So you still wanna bust The Trojan horse Is full of excessive force When they try to get aggressive Niggas off the court Police showing out For the white cop Police showing out For the black cop Police showing out For the white cop Police showing out For the black cop Cop, good cop Where is your dignity? Where's your empathy? Where is your sympathy? Bad cop Where is your humanity? Good cop Is that just a fantasy? Motherfuck the blue cold Fuck the po-po Actin' like depot Already know Cracker let the brick go Black lives matter It's not shit chatter Cause all they wanna do Is scatter brain matter A mind is a terrible thing to waste A nine is terrible in your face The mace has a terrible fucking taste The pen is a terrible fucking place The kings all hate the fucking ace The judge sabotage my fucking case Racist mother. Since the man can't make one, he has no right 
we have to stop the funding the the government of Israel and uh, you know um, it's been an interesting show. I thank you for allowing me to be on the show. Have a good night. Thank you for your contribution to today's program, Brother Moses. Good night. Next, we'll go to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, you will find your thoughts for tonight. My final thoughts for this evening, Brother Africa, and thank you so much for having me, really focuses on the last article. When Nina... Uh, uh, let me uh, look at her name. When the this woman Nina uh, uh, Jahowski, for I'm pronouncing her name incorrectly, J A N K O W W I C C W I C Z. Uh, was claimed to be the she's now the director and it's true it's in the hands of the Democrats and all of that is inappropriate uh, the uh, it's an inappropriate position and when there her expertise was based on her reliable information concerning the Ukraine and Russia and the Ukraine, we know that says it all right there. Not good, not good. And uh, the reality is that uh, integrating, uh, as the article said, this fraudulent disinformation industry into the U.S. government is inappropriate. It doesn't matter, like now the Democrats have it, later someone else is. is. The reality is is that once Homeland Security declares uh, a view to be disinformation, uh, then any, uh, many corporate media outlets uh, defer to this claim and uh, this becomes uh, the national position will uh, will will just further disinform and disenfranchise the American people. The reality is is that oftentimes uh, Homeland Security has had the responsibility of uh, keeping the American people. Uninformed, um, you know, you can um, uh, say uh, the power to declare truth and false seems to be self-evident, uh, particularly when run by uh, a uniquely ill-suited uh Agency and right now this article, since it's produced by Fox Network, who is famous for disinformation, uh, it, it's claiming it's the Democrats. But it wouldn't matter whether it was operated by the Democrats or the Republicans. It really doesn't matter because the reality is that the government should not be who's creating uh, what is. Uh, determining what is disinformation and real information for the people. I think that's where journalism comes in. 
That's where we need to have rules and regulations on true journalism, fact-producing journalism, not opinionated journalism that uh, Reagan promoted, uh, starting with Rush Limbaugh. We get need to get back to journalism as a field based on truth, reporting the facts as they stand at the moment, not on interpreting them and determining uh, their value. That is nothing more than censorship, and that's not we, what we need. That is promoting this kind of authoritarian society that we're talking about and that we're in danger of during this uh, new virtual age that we live in. So with that in mind, I just want to say thank you so much uh, to the analysts for their wonderful uh, educational and informative views. And and thank you so much and uh, for all the fallen Africans and fallen soldiers of these American wars. I say to their families and their descendants, have a happy and may we have a peaceful Memorial Day. And remember that equality and equity are two different things. You can say we're equal and tell me to pull myself up by my bootstraps, but if I don't have boots, there's no there's no equity, and I am disadvantaged. So we 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 got to think about that, brother Africa. And thank you, everyone. And uh, this this was an interesting, very interesting article, and I think we could continue to discuss it and the dangers of. Uh, having Homeland Security or any agency um, determining what is uh, disinformation or appropriate information coming from government. That should be um, perhaps the job of independent journalists and, and, and folks other than the, the, the producers of the information themselves because as the analyst said, the CIA and other agencies, that's their job. And look at that Diego Rivera mural of Guatemala with Dulles and uh, uh and Eisenhower and 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 depicted and how they're depicted and what happened in the country of Guatemala in the twentieth century. And that says it all. And the article was just uh, very interesting. And thank you, and good night. Thank you, and good night to you, Sister Eleanor. Brother Anthony, your final thoughts for tonight? Uh, My final thought for tonight is that, uh, uh, let's see, uh, see, our enemy is uh, working against us 24-7. And the only way we can defeat our enemy is to get organized. Every African needs to belong to an organization that is working uh, for our people's liberation, 
one such organization as the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. And we have one more program coming up on uh, Africa on the Move uh, this Tuesday, May 31st, uh, from 7 to 10 p.m. Uh, Brother Bob Brown will be giving a history of African Liberation Day and our role in it and its relationship to the struggle for Pan-Africanism. So if you have time, please check it out. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And the website you can go to to find out more about the yes. programs for African Liberation Month and to join the APIPGC. Can you give out the website and the phone number, please? Sure. www.a-aprp-gc.org. And you can also reach us at 202-246-4896. Thank you, Brother Effie, for your contributions to today's program. And we now move forward with Brother Haki. He's going to make his announcements, as usual, on the upcoming trip to Cuba. And we'll be going with the African Awareness Association and his final thoughts. Brother Haki. Yes. And with respect to the trip to Cuba, now this, this is the African Awareness Association Annual Black History and Cultural Educational Travel Challenge. The trip takes place July 23rd to July 31st, leaving Cancun, Mexico. Once in Cuba, we'll be visiting Guantanamo, Santiago de Cuba, and Havana. For more for application, pre-application, email us at African Awareness Association, one word, number two, at gmail.com. For additional information, you can write us also at African Awareness Association, P.O. Box 4433, Richmond, VA, Two three two two zero, or contact us at area code eight zero four five four nine seven four nine two, or area code two zero two seven one four nine four three five, or visit our website at www.aaa-cubatours.com. We encourage you to come to Cuba for yourself uh, firsthand. Now, my final my final statement, Brother Africa, is. Um, you know, uh, you know, with respect to this uh, so-called disinformation board, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, the conservative element in the society was very successful in terms of ensuring the removal of Nina Jankowicz uh, from that position. Now, what happened is that uh, Joe Biden and his, and, his, and his associates have agreed that the, uh, the person they would like to see heading that disinformation board is a guy by the name of Michael Chertoff. Churchill, of course, if you will remember, was a former NSA uh, staffer. And this is a guy who's notorious for detaining Muslims, uh, CIA torture, and the Patriot Act. Now, for those who don't remember what the Patriot Act was, it simply authorized illegal uh, physical search and wiretaps of people without cause, which is a direct violation of the Fourth Amendment. But this is the kind of individual that's going to hate the disinformation board. So clearly... So if we if we think censorship is an issue right now, once he becomes head of the disinformation board, then uh, the, the censorship uh, is going to really skyrocket. Uh, clearly, we're living in very difficult times. Uh, one thing is, is is very very clear: no amount of censorship is going to stop the, the inevitable, and that is 
that when you look at the overall decline of the capitalist system, not just in the United States, but throughout the world, when you look at it, it's decline. The amount of dissatisfaction uh, that is uh, evident among the people, you know, throughout the world is growing leaps and bounds. And the problem is that the people in positions of power got a problem, and namely is what are you going to do with all these people who are disenchanted? Uh, clearly, the, the position of the state is to use whatever strategy they can in terms of dividing people. In addition to dividing people, they also want to create the conditions in which uh, they can facilitate as much ignorance as they possibly can, because ignorance is important in terms of making people susceptible to, to, to uh, um, propaganda. So as a consequence, in the United States, you have a situation where the critical race theory is constantly under attack. Critical race theory is simply an acknowledgement in terms of the historical operations in terms of institutions and how they facilitate injustice in society. It's very, very simple. Uh, but, of course, uh, in disseminating information, people come to the realization that something fundamentally wrong politically in America in terms of a system that, that says, on one hand, is democratic, but on the other hand, does things that are undemocratic. Uh, so clearly we got some very trying times ahead of us, and I encourage people, you know, uh, you know, your progressive individuals. Uh, I encourage people in the African communities, you know, to foment those institutions, those structures that are geared toward dealing with those situations that are extremely problematic. And certainly when we talk about in terms of um, the disenfranchisement of voters, when we talk about uh, the uh, mass incarceration that, that persists, and we talk about the uh, – Laws coming out of the Supreme Court that deny people the right to contest their confinement based upon the faulty uh, uh, evidence or lawyer who was incompetent. When we talk about elimination of these kinds of things, then clearly then it means that society is on the verge of collapse. And because it's on the verge of collapse, institutions become extremely important in terms of safeguarding, if not perpetuating the interests of, of people you know, who find themselves confronted with these, these systematic injustices. So clearly we got a work cut off for us. So as always, I encourage people to unravel the matrix. Uh, that is key because in order to understand this insanity, we have to do some reading uh, in terms of understanding this, this, this insanity. If we don't do some reading, then my, my biggest fear is that uh, we become too susceptible to the kind of uh, subtle uh, uh, conditioning that is taking place, which is geared toward perpetuation system, which is at its core uh, anti-human. Uh, so clearly, brothers and sisters, we have work to be done, and I encourage you to do that. And as always, Brother Africa, you have a good night. You do say, Brother Haki, and thank you for your contributions to today's program. And my final thought is that, you know, with this Homeland Security Disinformation Board campaign and this issue of why people lie, we all really live in the world of matrix. They make a very difficult to be able to conceive and perceive what is reality and what's not. And that's a method and a technique in which they stated that they were ruled through, um, through confusion. And we have a ball of confusion. But like anything with this confusion, it could be overcome by proper organization. This is why we need organization. And it's critically allow you to think allow you to see things clearly, allow you to understand the objectivity of things. While organization is very difficult to function as a human being. So we encourage everyone, let's you know, do this dance that we call Let's Get Organized. It's the best dance out there. And once you start doing it and learning, you know, it's a beautiful dance. 
So on that note, we'd like to remind everyone again to come and join us with the African Women Association as they travel to Cuba from the 23rd to 31st of July. For more information, contact the African Women's Association at their email, Association 2 at gmail.com. We also like to again thank the all African people representing the Party GC for their leadership and direction of putting together some excellent programs of political education during this month. And we remind everyone to come in and check in here on Africa on the Move this Tuesday on the 31st from 7 to 10 p.m. As we get to hear a very uh, knowledgeable, a very intellectual, a very hardworking, trustworthy, revolutionary brother, Bob Brown, who has dedicated most of his life over 50 to 60 years of struggle to continue to help move Africa and African people forward. Come and check them out and go to the website again to check out the past programs. And last but not least, we are making an appeal to all our listeners, supporters, and people who have heard or view our programs that it becomes important that not only that you can hear us, but we can connect with you. And the only way we can truly connect with you so we can keep you informed on important issues and topics and things going on is we need to have a way to contact you. So we're asking you, if you're a supporter, if you're a listener of this program, Africa on the Move, please email us an email where we can reach out and stay in touch with you so we can inform you. Unfortunately, this process does not allow us that capability. So the only way we can do that is for you to establish contact with us. And we thank you. So until next time, you can listen to Brother Africa or Africa on the Move, our panelists and analysts. And like always, we want to give you information so you can thank the organization, so you can thank clearly. Let's try to go forward, Albert, back with number. And like always, we'll see you next week, 7 p.m., same time, same station. And like always, we too stand ready for the revolution. This has been Africa on the Move. Métetele la cabeza en intelecto y actitud, estamos sobrados, somos ricos y sigo respetando al rato de Puerto Rico, al cubano, al colombiano, mexicano y español, pero lo de nosotros sale del corazón, con sentimiento, con talento, violento, ojo, no con armas, sino con conocimiento, el intelecto emana de los foros, te metes en internet y lo ves en los foros, es sabiduría, aunque muchos locos piensen que son habladurías, pero que primero fondo la ciencia mía, para que después hablen como comadre, chismosa, yo te escribo en verso y en prosa, no soy Alice en el país de las maravillas, estamos claros, te portas mal, te acribillas, te hacen papillas, es que eso es obvio, o eres ángel o eres demonio, ni ni no, o eres ángel o eres demonio, quiero ver a toda la gente con las manos arriba, ¿dónde están los latinos con las manos arriba? Que vive el hip hop con las manos arriba, ¿Qué? con las manos arriba, que viva la cultura con las manos arriba, el deporte con las manos arriba, Venezuela con las manos arriba, ¿Qué? ¿Qué? sentimiento, sabor, rumba, corazón, la salsa retumba, retumba el tambor, no se te olvide el morocco, recuerda el folclore, te lo digo en rap, crece la tensión, ritmo caribeño, se siente el calor, esta es música de calle, al que no le gusta que vaya a llorar para el valle, es música con estilo, tú estás claro así que solo dilo, para que lo sepas, suena tan criolla como comerse una arepa,
solar en todo lo que se haga en Venezuela. No solo es un ritmo, escucha las letras tan criollo como que te vean y te digan, eh, para que te choquen las manos. Al final del día, dale, hablamos. Y lo que más me alegra, la gente latina siempre será gente negra. Comandante, te amo. Que Dios te bendiga. ¿Dónde está Maranta? El Amaranta y el Pinky, ¿dónde están? ¿No? La cantera. Well, 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 well
true, I want to continue. you. If I deny you, go silly punish me. Make it tomorrow you punish me. Make it land you punish me. Make it fatty punish me. I read up a book to you. I see some myself for you. I see some myself for you. Well, well. Pass the pass, pee 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 pee, pass the pass, in in. 
Passi, passi, corna, corna, passi, passi, onda, onda, passi, passi, side, side, passi, passi, up, up, passi, passi, corna, corna, passi, passi, onda, onda, passi, passi, side, side, then gradually, 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 then gradually, gradually, gradually. Gradually, them go be friend, friend to journalist, be friend, friend to commission, a friend, friend to permanent secretary, friend, friend to minister, friend, friend to head of state, then start, start to steal money, start, start them corruption, start, start them inflation, start, start them oppression, start, start them confusion, start, start them oppression, start, start to steal money, start, start to steal money, like Obaso, Joanna Biola. ITT International Rook International Thief We fight them well, 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 Can you let go run to you? Yeah. Now come on, me put your 
kuja kuteka Hakuna mataka Kama umekuja kulipa Kupiga densio
in chains, living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by the news, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be strong to last through my journey. Yeah, to last through my journey. When we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. We must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be to know. That I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Hello a bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia. A scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights, pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, 
and all the Pelorinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be, to know that I've been here, and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer. To give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, because Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. People of all countries, of every race, and creed. We need a new beginning. Let us plant the seed. Plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow. Plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that Palestine Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom, needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. Thank you.